so sword swords have been talked about for years like like years and years as being a problem uh they say there's been suggestions of don't make it go into third into third person unless you have ammo seems like a pretty great fix to me only if you pick up ammo can you see in third person cool disable swords entirely in this one playlist cool all of these suggestions have been made no steps have been taken finally they say we acknowledge that this is a problem we are going to work on it and we will come to a solution cool great thank you for acknowledging it what happens this season one of the rewards for trials of osiris is a (laughs) fucking sword (laughs) Welcome to episode 284 of the Emergent Gamer Podcast. I'm Felix Hergood, and I'm here with three other people to do another show. I got Locke right here. What's going on, everybody? I got Trip Zero right here. Hi, Trip Z, uh, Zero, confirmed other person on this show. And I have Neo Aoshi. Hey, what's good? I think I did it, guys. I got us, I got us into a show you did it. without you, you fucking... Did it. You did it. And now we're going to hyperanalyze your intro and just give you more anxiety about it for next time. I wasn't time. a total noodle uh, this time, I don't no, think. No, you did good. You did fi- You did good, dude. You did good. 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 The other I people threw me a little bit. Like, they were random people. You're like, we got three other people here. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know why I fucking say it that way. It's stupid. It's okay. I gotta I'm giving you a complex probably every single time that you bring it in. <laughs> so I'll ease up a little well, bit. Well, I normally, you guys know, um, without revealing too much information, that in my job, prior to the pandemic, I did a lot of public speaking. And now mm-hmm. I'm ne- I haven't done that in like nine months, like because we just aren't doing public speaking yeah. event type shit. So here we go. You know, now I'm, I'm you know, again, rusty. I'm getting rusty. You know, recently, though, in the job, I did a public speaking thing recently. I mean, through a Zoom call, but like where I had to like do a presentation and it was uh, it was rusty. Did it go OK? Did it go OK? It, it, it went OK. It, it's good. We made it. Um, yeah, so, it, dude. so the show tonight is a discussion about the news this week. We want to expand or unpack the topic of of E3 uh, trying to come back digital, which, you know, there's a lot to discuss in that, like considering the controversies with E3 over the last couple of years, Trip Zero and I might recount our experience going to E3 a little bit um, in, in that environment, which ne- we'll never see that environment again in the same form. No, not, for sure not. Yeah, and for a lot of reasons, not just the pandemic, but uh, but I think uh, that that would be an interesting thing. But I think we want to start off just talking talking about uh, Locke. It's been a couple shows since you've been here, so I think uh, you should probably lead us on this. Have you been playing any games or anything at all, or just not? No, not really. I mean, up until I mean the past week, um, I've had my PC set up. Um, I got it set up here in, in my basement, as you can tell, with yeah. all of the, the new environment, that are new still, environment, man. All the moving boxes. You got that a green screen me, but... and you just took a photo of your downstairs basement. Yeah, to this, sippy, is, this, this isn't real. This isn't real back here. Um, <laughs> it's great, man. It's a great background. 
so yeah, so I, I finally got Ethernet run down here in the basement. I got some outlets installed here in the basement to, to set up a little workstation. So yeah, I mean, I've played um, the same old multiplayer stuff. Um, it just Warzone, Valorant. We met Neo and I played Valorant the other night again, which was which was great to get back into that. Um, and then I did highs and a lot of lows in that in that game. Lot, lots of highs, lots of lows. First game back, I I went. I went real big, real big, real positive, and then the next game, I didn't do so great. <laughs> we got um, we got shut out in that second game, like completely. Yeah, we won a Zero game, and then 13. we got we got utterly destroyed in the next one. Um, and then uh, a little bit of the new Destiny season, um, like very very little, maybe like two hours worth of um, doing and exploring the new UI of um. The, the next expansion for or the new season i should say not expansion for destiny uh which came out on tuesday um are you guys happy with that or i speaking uh, to you too trip it um it, I'm, I'm sure trip has his own thoughts about it uh, but i think for me and i think trip's probably in a similar spot considering all the games i watch him stream and and when i see him play that like destiny just isn't the same game for me anymore so i don't have the same expectations for it as i used to um so yeah i'm fine with it um because i i don't play it as like the only game that i play like i used to right Right. like i used to only play that game and would only play the pvp and then would do the pve stuff as as needed um but now i play you know a handful of other pvp games and play crucible when i want so you know for me the ten dollars for the next season is 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 a is it an okay investment because i'll get ten dollars worth of enjoyment out of it um and um i just don't have the same lens of you know anger at bungie as i once did because i wanted it to be a, a different game than it than it is you know um so yeah so I, so far i mean the very little that i've gotten to play there's some cool new weapons um there's a new activity um that's pretty cool um you know the overarching story. I, I don't. I don't know how that will pan out and how that will will play into the you know the overall arcs. But uh, so far, so good in the little and bit. For that every, I've played. every for every one of these expansions are these uh, what would you call them? Season plays? Is that is that what you call? Them? Season, so they're like seasons. every three months seasons. So yeah. each each season has a new story that you guys follow through on. Got it. And what they typically do is they jump around. Um, or it appears that they jump around because the threads are sometimes very hard to find. So like last season, we were reintroduced to a character that we hadn't seen for like a year prior. And then he comes back and his story's picked back up. Um, so that? with, uh, so Aldrin, you remember Aldrin from D one? He was, he was the, uh, yeah. he was the, yeah. he was the, he was the awoke or uh, awoken. Yeah, I woke up. Yeah. The Queen's brother. The dickhead. The Queen's brother. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Memory has so, served. So, um, I mean, uh, spoiler, can we uh, can we say? Yeah. So, so Forsaken. Uh, well, I didn't know if... Feel, yeah, it doesn't... Whatever. Feel like I don't care. So, in Forsaken... <laughs> he's never. He's in done. For, in Forsaken, what happens is Aldrin kills Cade. Cade 6. Oh, he's oh the yeah, one yeah, that, yeah. He's, the, he's the one that kills Cade. And then we find out that he's being controlled. Um... Kate is Nathan, Nathan Fillion, right? Correct. Yeah, the the hunter vanguard that they've yet to replace. But yeah. um neither here nor there. Um 
so his character, he then is quote unquote killed at the end of Forsaken. And then we get a cut scene. I forget at what point in the Destiny seasons of a ghost finding him and bringing him back to life. And then we just got that snippet and that was it. And then almost a full year goes by in this last season, three months ago, he's reintroduced as this as this new character that's controlled by another character that we met a year ago. <laughs> so like they don't they don't they don't it's not like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? It's like, you know, A, C, back to B, then to E, then to D. It's like, you know, they're they're telling a story, they're just doing it in pieces to keep you going. Um mm. so like next year's big expansion, which is the Witch Queen, which is going to be like a direct continuation of forsaken last wish and this like really big arc that they're that they're telling um that's going to be really really cool because that's going to be a huge a huge like narrative point for destiny all the in between from here until next fall um are probably going to be like little nuggets that they drop and then we're just going to be entertained by shooting aliens for the most part um <laughs> you know same old same old shit um, I think that's how you do that kind of story, though. You know, like an ever go- an ongoing game. Like you want it to, you want to drip free- feed the players with the like the story beats. So like I kind of yeah, dig that for I sure. Do, I do dig it. Yeah, I mean, like we know that their old content, their old content ways didn't work, right? I think there's a lot that they can improve upon what they're doing now. But um, I would agree. Like you want to keep people playing and you want to keep the story going. I think their struggle is how do you find meaningful time for players in between those story beats and what content do you give them to play, which is what they ultimately fail at. And that's why people leave and come back. Right. Or that's why people mm-hmm. go play other things and come back. Um, but yeah, so far so good trip. Have you with, cause I haven't played anything else. So we might as well transition to you. Have yeah. you like, what is, what is your experience been like? Um, so far? Yeah, it's still, I think a little bit early to say definitively how I feel about it overall. But I mean, in general, it's, it's kind of it's, like you were saying, it's more of the same. You know, having a, a pretty, pretty okay time with the content. The new content is like, uh, it's almost like a strike length um, gauntlet of enemies with like one little mechanic based round and then like a like a boss with DPS check. So nothing really groundbreaking uh, with the event itself. Um, I think the the biggest thing that's cool this season is how they've changed a lot of UI interaction uh, as well as experience progression. So previously you would have to like talk to all of the main vendors in the tower in your social spaces to pick up, you know, bounties for experience, then then do what those bounties say for your weekly experience and also to get some other things unlocked progression wise. They've consolidated all of these things into what they call uh, seasonal challenges and they're organized by week. So week one dropped like 10 challenges or whatever. Week two, once Tuesday rolls around, we'll have another set of them. Um, You can go back and do things out of order. They've said you don't have to do everything every season. It won't go away every week. Um, They've eased up on some of the time restrictions for things. Like you can still get the seasonal title from last season. If you didn't finish that, which I think is huge because I'm the kind of player that loves destiny, right? That's not a, a, a surprise to anyone who listens to this show, but I don't like being told what to do. And Bungie's model right now is to keep people playing this game forever with like, sometimes really tedious challenges and things to finish and do. So there's this like push and pull between FOMO of not wanting to not have the thing. And then sometimes it's almost like too much like instruction that I'm like, well, fuck you. I'm just not going to do it. It's like a personal 
internal like battle against against that kind of mechanic. So uh, I think they've taken a better step. I still think there's too much like trying to like get people to stay in the game, but I get that's like the business model. You want people, you want the numbers, you want them to I mean to play and you know generate revenue. Yeah. I tried to like hop back in it for this season, like a few weeks ago. Um, and I, it's funny that you're saying that like Bungie's telling people, like giving them more direction, right? And trying to play it, I wish they would have given me more direction because logging in after not playing yeah. for like months, I was like, I, I finished the story. What am I doing now? Like, is there more to do? And yeah. it's just, it's, I don't want to just keep cool. running strikes. I hate Awful. it. Yeah, yeah. They so they've done a really good job to Trip's point it, with changing the UI this season. I think they've done a really nice job with it. They have, um, but I would agree that uh, every time that I take a long break, like your last break, Neo, and then jumping in again, I'm always so confused every, <laughs> every single time. Every single time I try and jump back in, and I literally need to message someone and I say to them. Please tell me what to do. What do I actually need? To, because it's impossible. It's impossible to tell. And they've tried to do yeah. some things where they'll put like they they're now putting the word legacy in front of quests or legacy in front of missions, so you know that like this is something dated that you can still do, but it's not going to help you progress in new stories, or it's not going to help you progress in power leveling, but it's still available. Um, but like even still for someone brand brand new um i mean they got that feedback immediately when beyond light came out when it went free to play um it was garbage it was honestly really really bad for a new player to come in it made no mm. sense at all uh they had no idea what to do um because they didn't do a good job of explaining it and they've made progress but it's it could still be it could still be better yeah um, they're they're like their design for quests right now is also overlapped with their current obsession with having like a seasonal item that you use as like a like a catalyst for your activity. So last season, like the the subplot, like Locke was talking about, there is like a main plot and a subplot. The subplot was like drawing out these giant hive bosses that were being controlled by a, a big other not important boss. Um, you had to fill this thing out by doing activities. You had to like charge it then slot it with like, you know, the way you want a loot to drop. And then you had to like plant it somewhere on the map. So inside of this mechanic was like your loot targeting, your uh, incentive for playing the playlist activities, and also your trigger for like the new event. Right. So they've wrapped up their entire experience into this thing. Well, that thing is now sticking around because they're not making things go away immediately anymore. And now we have a new thing, this season's version of the thing. Uh, mm -hmm. And all these things are also, there are also quests in your quest log, which take up literally n no more space than another quest that is simply do this thing for this catalyst or for this gun to drop, play this activity to get the seasonal gun. So they don't really differentiate. They don't look different, especially to someone who's like back in and doesn't know that they've organized things this way. So I think there's still a lot of opportunity for them to like split out some of their, their design and guidance when they're leaning so much into like, these artifacts and things you don't actually equip, but are still central to your UI experience almost every minute you're in the game. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, what were we gonna say, Felix? Sorry, I was just gonna say in Destiny's de defense, the, I don't know if that's even the fucking right word, but sure, like, yeah. I seem to remember from minute one in 2014, like 
not knowing fucking shit about anything. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's, to, it's to, always to, been a, a struggle. To, of yeah, to, I to quote Ruth, Ruth, yo, to quote yeah. Ruth from Ozark. I don't know shit about fuck when I'm playing that game. <laughs> like that's, that's that's about it. Yeah. I li- I literally don't know. Like I remember us spending a hefty amount of time when we first started playing the game. Mm-hmm. None of us knew anything about the game. Going well, you got to go to the forum. And I remember arguing on the show to you, Trip. Is this a good game? We're putting a lot of work in outside of the game, right? <laughs> And you, you, you saying to me, "Oh no, this is how it's supposed to be. This is the these are the best games when there's all this lore." But we did make fun of the fact that the lore was like in from D one was like in like the cards, a, the like cards, digital playing yeah. cards, digital yeah. playing cards. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think I think the one redeeming factor that that Destiny has, and it's and it's and it's a very fine line, is that like I get glimpses of of times where I'm not doing anything but just killing aliens and, and loving my time with it. But Mm -hmm. then immediately getting this wave of like anxiety that I didn't progress towards the goal that I should have been working on. Or I, I wasted time here. And it's like this, it's it's this, it's this hard thing to balance, you know, it's this hard thing. Yeah. yeah, And some of it is my own mental capacity, but like it, you know, I think, um, I think that's why D1 was somewhat successful in the beginning was because no one had played a shooter like that, that like you didn't have to play it optimally. Like you didn't have to worry about certain things because you were just shooting aliens. You had really cool abilities. Like you were exploring like maps in a way that you never had before. It was this massive game that you got to play with friends and like it was very playing vertical. it optimally. Yeah, like it, playing it optimally like we do now, it was just not a thing back then. So yeah. they got away with like a shitty UI and design structure. <laughs> um and like they can't just they can't do that anymore. Not not with where we're at with uh with D2. But Trip made a really good point. They introduced a new thing which is a rehash of an old thing uh which was successful um from whatever season that was. But now we have three different things happening happening actively in the game which is we have one mechanic to 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 get weapons we have another mechanic to get weapons and armor and then we have a third mechanic to get weapons and armor all that are very similar but have their own unique twists and ways to level them up and things you have to do to get them we have one from last season with crow we have one with this uh from last season as well with varix and now we have the new one with this new season um that all do the same thing in their own way, which can be very confusing to someone that's just hopping in and, and trying to play it for, for the very first time. Um, so it's, it, it, they, you know, they, they, they make a really good step forward and then like sidestep like 95 other problems along the way with their, their step. Yeah. Forward. And so, it's, it's never, it's never <laughs> bad. And they always make some really good decisions, but they've never fully solved it all. And I don't know if they're going to, um, yeah, probably won't. Not, no. not in like a seasonal release, but if anything, they're really, really good right now at iterating on feedback. Uh, that pace is picked up. Um, they're they're communicating a lot more about you know squashing bugs, about things that uh, need to be changed in the game. Um, the only thing that they're they're mega silent about is PvP, and that's that's hurting the game overall because so much of the feeling of people that play Destiny is that they're neglecting their PvP player base. And this season really hasn't done a single thing to change that perspective. And 
while you could argue the game is a PVE based game, people have even said like chop off PVP, you know, like just let that exist somewhere else or even don't for destiny because you're not, you know, like acknowledging it. PVP is where you go when there's nothing else to do. And right. that's not a bad thing. That's like what you do when you're done the story. Like, where do you want to go? You want to have a fun place to be able to play other people. Cause that's the most engaging way to play the game. You know, like eventually you learn all the enemies patterns. You want to click some heads. You want to be challenged. And that's where you become challenged, but they don't understand that that's where the focus is for long-term play. And they keep throwing us titles, challenges, triumphs, in PVE, that's boring after a while, you know, and they're just they're not fixing the like problem. Next season, you think they could take a season and be like, "Hey, this is the PVP season," or is that I mean, people is that then like separating the PVE players out of that for that season? It would I mean, be people. But, it, yeah, it sounds like they need the development time, right? It sounds like they need like doing this seasonal model is really hard on their development schedule, and now that they're not with Activision and they have, you know, like they they're a different company now than they were like two years ago at this point. Right They're They have different challenges and different things to worry about. So like the seasonal model is a good way of, you know, keeping up with content at a, at a, at a kind of even brisk pace, like not brisk, but like, you know, in a steady pace. Um, yeah. Something's going to get neglected. What if they did just dedicate a season to PVP? Well, I mean, it's been, it's been, it's been suggested and talked about for seasons upon seasons to have a dedicated season season for PVP. Um, I mean, people have been calling for that for, for over a year now. Um, and there's some been some really good posts on destiny subreddit of PVE focused players saying, Bungie, please, like, I don't really play your PVP. Please give this area of the game. It's time to like improve like i'll be okay for a season if i don't get pve content or get less of it like i will still play your game but please dedicate the time and resources to fixing crucible um and it just you know we get some transparency but not enough um we get we get some words and twabs but then you know decisions they make immediately after don't make sense so like a perfect example is um we're getting into the nitty-gritty and i don't want to spend too much time talking about destiny but like um a big big problem with trials of osiris right now is sword peaking so what is that so when you have that sounds uh, dirty when you have a sword equipped in destiny (laughs) you go to third person mode right because you carry your sword and you went you go from first person to third person um even when you don't have ammo you take out your your empty sword hilt and you're in third person well in a game like trials where it's you know you have one life if you take out your sword because there's only heavy heavy only spawns one round out of out of the game you take your sword out and you can then get a third person view of a lane to see if someone's there so you have this unfair advantage of taking out a sword, wow. seeing if it's safe, then going around corners. Um, People do it with emotes, too, but that telegraphs yeah. a little bit more because it pops up in like the like the kill feed what you're doing. But right. same idea, you're pulling your camera way farther out than someone else would and be able to kind of get more of a peripheral view. So sword, swords have been talked about for years, like like years and years as being a problem. Uh, they say there's been suggestions of don't make it go into third into third person unless you have ammo. Seems like a pretty great fix to me. Only if you pick up ammo can you see in third person. Cool. Disable swords entirely in this one playlist. Cool. 
All of these suggestions have been made. No steps have been taken. Finally, they say, we acknowledge that this is a problem. We are going to work on it and we will come to a solution. Cool. Great. Thank you for acknowledging it. What happens this season? One of the rewards for Trials of Osiris is a fucking sword. <laughs> it's it's one- actually insane that they announced a sword as a potential reward for Trials. The one game mode where it matters the most for you not to give someone a sword as a reward. <laughs> not that not that it, it's not that like you couldn't go because any sword will work. Right. So like it is what it is because yeah, other people your stamp of approval on a on a weapon. Right. It's only going to drop from this ultra competitive mode. And now <laughs> one of these exclusive rewards is a new sword a new solar <laughs> sword so it's just like it's just like you know and then like another example and then i'm done and then we can move on is like the titan super right now is utterly broken in pvp it has been for a long time with stasis since it came out they finally acknowledged it like a few weeks ago after it being out for months okay we understand this is not working we're looking into it we hear your feedback well this season there's now a mod that you can get on the ornament that kills with super extend your super. Well, that effectively makes the Titan super the best class in the game because the Titan super specifically already lasts forever and it's, (laughs) and you run and kill and run and kill. It's not like the Hunter super where you cast it, it's used and then you're done with the, the Titan super. You just keep going um effectively making the titan super even better than it was before it's now even better but they're listening to their feedback and they hear us (laughs) oh i'm sorry did you say more titan super did you want more swords it's just like it's 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 really hard (laughs) and this and, and here and here here and going back to my point that i made like this would have this would have literally sent me over the fucking edge at a at a time in my place with destiny, but I just don't look at it like I used to, and just, I, and it's and and I it's you what matured. it is. You matured, know? you just you matured. Bob. Yeah, but it's it's, it's super not sad that. because it's I because that. I still it, because I just I still because if they did the things that I it's wanted like you them resigned. to do, you resigned. To yeah, it re- it really is yeah. because like if it if they did the things that like I wanted them to do, it would be the only game that I played. It would be literally the only thing that I boot up out of single in, in, outside of single player games that like I want to experience because it does have a total package. I get to play PvE, I get to play a competitive PvP all under the same umbrella. Why would I leave the game? But right. like yeah. at this point, I have no other choice because I want things that they simply are not going to be able to give me. And that's I've come to the realization after you know what is seven years that like. That's just what it. That's what it is. You're in, the accept, you're in the acceptance stage of, of grief. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've, I'm, made, I've made it to acceptance. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a thousand percent true. What, what do you got, Neo? You got anything? Uh, a few things. Um, still playing Shadow of War. Um, nice. Gameplay is still fun as fuck. The story still is garbage. So nothing new there. And we, um, so we we saw that your your uh, patent comment commentary ended up becoming yes, a real news. Yeah, because after that, that was. Because the, the the nemesis system was the system we discussed last week, and uh, I discussed how oh this guy pointed out that it's patented, and then all the news articles after that were like, guess what? Breaking uh, the patent for Shadow of War is exclusive to WB Games, and they, you know, that's why no other games use it. So if you ever want to see that system, well, keep hoping. Um, 
hopefully we'll see it. I would love to see that system in other games. It is so good. It actually makes that game engaging to just keep playing. Like, I don't play the game for the story now. I just I just hunt orcs. And it's literally endless orcs with character. That's what I did in Shadow of Mordor. Crazy, Same yeah, thing. just crazy moments. It's it's cool. It's really cool. Um, but anyway, I that is not what I really played over the weekend. Over the weekend, I played a lot of Division 2 because... Um, nope, don't do that. Because uh, <laughs> the um, Resident Evil event is going on right now. And I wanted to get some of the Resident Evil gear. There's a crossover happening where you can get like Leon's Leon's outfit and Claire's uh, Claire's jacket and like a whole bunch of like other like umbrella umbrella soldier masks and like all how kinds do they of cool pull stuff. These, how does Ubisoft pull this shit together? They did that with Final Fantasy. They've done it with like lots of different yeah. Metal Gear. Um, um, yeah, Square Square Enix and Ubisoft they've they pair up a lot too. Final Fantasy 15 had Assassin's Creed stuff in it. Like this yeah, isn't yeah. like new for Ubisoft. Like Ubisoft will go out and like they'll 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 do stuff. And Capcom too. Capcom and um, like Monster Hunter World has like like um, Final Fan like Final Fantasy stuff in it and like weird weirds. I'm trying to think of like other Ubisoft stuff. Yeah, there's a Witcher. There's a Witcher. Uh, mission in monster hunter world like crossovers man they're cool you know yeah in um but, uh, assassin's creed origins a meteor hits and it literally is like uh, it leads to a doorway to uh a part of final fantasy uh, final fantasy 15 like that checks out yeah because yeah. assassin's creed stuff was in final fantasy 15 yeah yeah that was there was a whole thing in that they always but, try to um, like tie it into the actual story in some way to make oh, it like, yeah. official and canon and it's like at a certain point do you have to like we get this is like a real silly combination can we just like mm. like just have fun <laughs> do we need your uh yeah. your a tier writers on this i don't think so no definitely not although monster hunter world's witcher crossover was pretty funny because you're he like comes in from another portal like from another dimension and your characters like all the characters that are in the game interact with with Geralt and then you take over as Geralt and do witcher shit in Monster Hunter World and it's like oh, it's I mean he's a yeah. fucking like your, monster your character hunter. your it character goes off and does other things yeah it's funny yeah he's a he's a monster hunter it makes fucking perfect he's, sense he's a monster hunter i know it's it's actually a, a it's actually a pretty spot on crossover for it um but in division 2 which is what i want to talk about mostly um uh i just getting back into it actually this speaking of a game that is like destiny which is kind of like challenging for me to get back into because of the lack of direction for me to like figure out where to do and what to go like what to do and where to go um division actually funny enough it was a lot easier to just like hop back in and go okay what am i doing what's my gear look like and everything um uh, you go to the projects tab and you start chipping away at those. There's a new mode, which is kind of like the underground mode from uh, the first game, which is shit. What's it called? Trip. It's it's the it's the, the skyscraper that you work your way up. Oh, I never played that far in the original game. I so, only played the base release. So in um in uh, the underground is like a custom in the first game was uh, a customizable like you would choose what modifiers you want to, to play with and it would give mm -hmm. you bonuses for gear and then you would play randomly generated areas in this underground subway area the the redo the redux of that version for division two is you 
play a, through a skyscraper and you are working your way up the skyscraper. Oh, interesting. Um, I've never done this. Every, yeah, this is a, this is one of the latest things that they've added. Hmm. Um, and you do the same thing. You add modifiers and they throw, they throw like curveballs at you every like five or, you know, like every floor or so like they'll, they'll yeah, throw some you curve get, balls. Yeah. A debuff or something to make it more challenging. Mm-hmm. Or like, like a random boss would spawn in and like you have to fight like three bosses or whatever, you know, like shit like that. Um, but the cool thing about the game right now is the way they let you chase a loot because this is always kind of like a like a tough thing with these games that are like heavily numbers and loot driven um not only uh, a while ago did they add like the rec the the stations that let you reclaim gear and pull stats from gear uh to store in like a like a book like a library that you can apply to other gear which is really good for like making your own like improving pieces of gear that you want to keep and like making them yours um, and just like min maxing the shit out of them. Right. On top of that, they let you actually target loot sets that you want to go for. So if you open your map up, you can now be like, I want this set gear to drop more than anything else. And then that's what will happen. What will happen is, is that that's the gear you'll get. You'll get more of that type of gear. Um, So at the end of my runs through this area, I was ending up going, okay, which of these gears can I sacrifice and like store my stats or which ones am I going to wear? And then which one, am I, which ones am I going to boost up? Um, so it became like a, like by the end of my play session, like I was like, okay, my, my snipe, my marksman class set is now like perfectly geared to what I wanted to do. And like all my stats are up, like I'm playing better than I was like two hours ago and so on. Then I switched classes again like because they have that class system now and now i'm focusing on these gear uh this these sets of gears and it actually made it like a lot better of a of a um experience when i didn't have to like just delete endless pools of gear which is just tedious um it actually made it like really fun and and enjoyable um trying to think of what else i was doing i was doing that and the resident evil stuff which there's no like content for the resident evil it's literally just play this stuff and you'll get the the keys to unlock the cosmetics. Yeah, I saw this when I popped in the other day because I was telling you guys in the pre-show I uh, just wanted to run around like the West Wing after watching the West Wing. So Mm -hmm. it's uh, every four levels you get one of these apparel caches and that will give you one of the pieces, I think, of this set. Which it also said it doesn't drop dupes, which is nice too. So you could really just grind out an entire like Resident Evil character costume if you wanted to it's pretty cool i think i got i got leon's uh, rpd chess piece when i was playing i did as so well that was, that was pretty I cool did as well yeah um another nice thing about like the stat system is after you beat keener which is something i know you haven't done yet i you did need to be keener you for sure need to be keener because once you do that the the, re- the real end games st- oh you did beat him i did yeah because i had i had okay. to beat him before i could go back to dc so right. i'm exactly. fully done um, i have everything activity wise unlocked i'm still you know a lot to do grinding if I don't want if I want to play. I probably won't, but but mm. I'm there. I'm at that point. I'm at like the the end game section right. officially. Well, yeah, the cool thing is, is when you beat Keener, you get his watch, which becomes like if you're familiar I with Diablo see 3. That. Yeah. You it's the paragon system essentially. So you hit max level, and the way they keep you leveling is you level up his watch, which will let you drop stat points into like your crit shot and your headshots and all that good stuff. Like it's a way for you to keep like grinding and getting stronger past the level 40 cap. 
Yeah. Which is honestly like it, it's a fun. It's my division is usually like my wintertime game when there's nothing else to do or go or places to go because you can just sit there and just endlessly shoot things. Um, and it becomes really fun when you can just endlessly just like go for loot and there's tons of activities now in it. It honestly may be a game I just like turn my brain off and just play for like long periods of time because last Sunday I got completely lost just like just like shooting just mm-hmm. like climbing these floors in this in this end game. And if you want to play trip and you're playing and you're on, hit me up because we'll totally we'll totally grind some levels, bro. All right. Totally do it. All right. Dude, it is yeah. fun. Division two is always fun to to run around in. I enjoy their like huge open seamless world where you just mm-hmm. kind of can bounce from place to place and and do whatever kind of activities you want, really. And they got a good matchmaking I mean, system too for uh, for the harder content. It's pretty pretty seamless. So it is, yeah, and and like the fact that you can like call for help, like when just running into the world, and people will just join on you and help you. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Um, there are world modifiers now too. Like you'll you'll make you can bump up the difficulty, but you can also be like, I want all ammo when I reload to get lost if it's still in the magazine, right? Like, and then that will, and then like ammo drops will be lesser. Like it'll you can put like difficulty modifiers on the world hmm. uh, and increase the experience you get and the loot you get which is what the game is. It's like what you do. Yeah. But other than that, like that's, that's what I've been up to. Division's pretty, still pretty cool. They, nice. they did it. They, they got better over after launch. It's is look, nice division is, is one of the ones you don't hear about too much, but it just, it keeps chugging along, keeps doing the thing. You know, it just, I, it's, has a solid player with D1. Base. It's what they did with D1, man, or with the division one. I say D1, but division one, because like it, everyone fell off hard and then they kept grinding and kept doing good stuff and it and it was great by the end like in division two i still have the base game because i bought it thinking i could play that and destiny at the same time like an asshole oh dude it was that um, anthem and destiny at one yeah, point I bought, in the year. yeah right i bought i bought division was playing destiny and then had anthem on origin like the the play the subscription and we're just gonna keep was, all these active yeah i'll do all of them yeah <laughs> fucking right like i literally barely played division oh, two because dude. i couldn't like I couldn't keep up with it. I was right there with you, man. I had the clown mask it's on good. too. <laughs> it's unreal. <laughs> it's a good game. I just love the I love the cover and and like strategy mechanics of it. Like that that is a very fun like game loop that they have. Like with mm-hmm. just good cover mechanics, good gear, good good uh, abilities that they give you. Like the game just overall just feels good to me as an RPG yeah. and as like a cover a cover shooter. Um, For sure. Um, still the pinnacle of that game is the survival mode from division one, um, which they still say they're probably not going to repeat, but that shit lock, you would love the shit out of the survival mode. It's addicting as hell. Game sessions are like 45 minutes sometimes. And you literally work your way to the center of the map in uh, sub zero temperatures. You have to keep yourself warm. You have to like put on clothing that like increases the amount of resistance you have to the cold. You have to keep eating. You're resisting a virus as it is. The timer is ticking away. So you have to get the the vaccine and deliver it to the like there's there's like a time limit to how long you can survive. And then by the time you get to the center, hunters start hunting you like 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 strong AI hunters that are stronger than like the average, you know, enemy. And then other players you run into like it's it's this whole it's one of the it was one of the best game modes I've ever played in a game because like it's that. in the like, dark zone. That's where it takes place. Yeah, it, 
it takes place. It starts on the outside. They, they start everyone right. around New York. Dark zones in the center of the New York yeah. map. Yeah. So they they have everyone working their way into the center into the dark zone. Right. Which is everyone converges on that point eventually. Um, I wonder why they awesome. haven't. I wonder why they wouldn't recreate that. I don't yeah, know. My weird. idea for that was like well, they don't it's have not really winter anymore. So as I, do it in a hur- hurricane is what I say. As I recall, do it in with a hurricane. Division two, they didn't have really a solidified center dark zone though. Right? No, they, they had multiple dark zones. Yeah, had, multiple dark like, zones in different the east, sections. The south, and the kind of dispersed. And then the, Fuck, New York, and then they New brought New York back. A good map. New York was D Division One. New York was was so good mm-hmm. at like yeah. at being New York. It really was like the only thing that that didn't have going for it was like what impresses me about Warzone is that like you can go into almost every building in Warzone, and oh. the map is fucking huge. Where Division One, like it was a lot of just facade, but like mm. the streets some and the setting. Yeah, I mean, you can go in some of it, but like not nearly as much as like Warzone. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, the the so wintertime like setting also helped, and I loved like the dead Christmas because it was like during Christmas. Yeah, the it, it had a great mood. The overall mood was incredible. Yeah, it was good. It was it was a, really good. Magical game. Like I feel like I would go back and play that before I would invest time in in Division Two. Fuck it, fuck it, I'll reinstall it. I love going back to that game. Uh, I would have to buy the expansions, but I'm mm, probably cheap. Man. <laughs> I mean, probably. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to it. <laughs> to be honest, I mean, the game mode sounds awesome. Survival, you know, Survival like I great. like, like I would, I would, I've always wanted to play DayZ. and I would never buy it now because of like how poorly supported it is. But like that idea like that type of game that like this survival mode is simulating is something that's always interested me because I, I never got to play daisy and it's in its prime and its height you know um so maybe maybe i guess it would just depend on how much time i'd have to invest to be adequate to play that game mode is really what what it would come down to you'll but. you'll you if you know the controls you'll 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 figure it out you know for the most part mm. it's not that bad Dope. felix Dope. What's up, Every, everyone's bored of Fallout, including myself. We're all bored. You're Felix is bored of Fallout. Wow. I, what? No. Wow. What episode number? What episode number? Two hundred and eighty-four. Two hundred eighty-four. Shit. We didn't quit it. Whoa. What a we twist. Have, we have not quit it. We have not quit it. Uh, the, I mean, look, still dude. paying for the membership. I'm gonna go back. Sure. I don't know sure. when. Sure. But I'm bored. Uh, my buddy Splarence is bored. Our friend Philly Special, she's bored. We're kind of all bored right now. Um, they do have a huge quality of life thing uh, in the test servers right now. Our perk card loadouts, finally, in the test. They're servers. coming, baby. There you go. There so they're coming. Go, so when that comes out, we're gonna be like, yeah. And maybe for five minutes, we're gonna love perk card loadouts, and then after that, we'll go back to being bored until they have good solid content. I mean, the the current DLC story that came out, the Steel Dawn story, was so fucking utterly like you know completely unimpressive it wasn't good <laughs> mm. but anyway mm. point is i've been just playing a lot of single player games uh, as lock lock wasn't here for a couple shows lock i finished cyberpunk at least one thread of cyberpunk complete nice did not nice. get all the trophies because four of those trophies are well three of them are just piece of shit like dumb stuff and then four of them are other endings so you know, mm-hmm, I would have mm-hmm. to at least one of them. I have to go back dramatically far Bru- earlier in the game in order to like hit that thread and do it right. 
you know, to be able Brief, to play that. Very, very briefly to not repeat yourself yeah. and those listening. How what was your what was your overall take? My overall takeaway is is it's one of the best, like in terms of like just if you look at it as like a movie narrative as opposed to mm. a, like a game with lots of choices, the way Trip wanted it to be. Uh, sure. if you just watch it as a narrative story, it's great. I really enjoy it. Okay. Nice. It's epic. I cool. liked it all the way to the end. Um, and I, I just really like him. I, I like Keanu Reeves and I really like him as Johnny Silverhand. Like I want mm. a live action Johnny Silverhand. <laughs> I really do. If the I, game, if the game would have done better, you might've gotten, that. I might've gotten that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but that's neither here nor there because I, who, who said it? Who, who on the show said that Felix Hergood could not complete Assassin's Creed Odyssey? Who said it? All of you? It was everyone. You're never going to complete yeah, that I game. I, I heard that. I don't I heard remember. That. I don't remember, but it doesn't seem I, like something far off that I would say. Because pe- so, people, people said, Felix, you never complete games. You're never going to finish this game. Well, I finished it. The stack, 100%. The stack. I, have, I, I have the character maxed to 99 and... I have every single trophy completed. The game is done. There's nothing more to fucking do in the game except what I'm doing now, which is a single playthrough to see how many hours it takes of just the main story quest. That's it. No side quests, not even killing all. You, start, you started over? I, start, I started in New Game Plus just, just oh. to see how long the main story takes with just main story. Literally not even the cultist missions. Like there's a bunch of like ancillary cultists that you can kill that are part of the whole group. I, I don't think you have to kill even every cultist to bring down the cult. I think you just have to kill like the main leaders, Some of the and, leaders. They're, yeah. and they're a part of the main quest. So I, I just want to see, I'm at like just over 10 hours and I'm about two thirds to three fourths through the story. And I'm just over 10 hours, which is crazy when you compare it to my actual completed 100% gameplay experience which includes all six dlcs was a 344 hour uh play play file you're fucking out of control a 344 hour play play file to complete all of that it was nuts (laughs) but i did it um so i just want to tell you i completed it Good for I'm you, man. You. I'm proud of you, man. Good for you. Um, so now I'm wow, going to rip. You fucking, you gave up, you gave up Fallout and then you completed Odyssey all on the same podcast. Something. I don't even, I don't even that's, know, man. That's what we call growth. We call um, growth here. And then the minute I finish that, the, the two, uh, it's flipping back and forth in my brain. It hasn't landed yet. It's a coin perpetually flipping. Um, I, the minute I finish that playthrough, which should be in a day or two, I'm going to either rip right into Valhalla which I have on the Xbox, or which I have on the PlayStation, Watch Dogs Legion. I bought it. But do you recommend... I would... I was going to ask Trip Zero. Do you recommend mm-hmm. I finish the story of two before I do that? Um, I'm a story fan, so I always suggest doing that. They're not really connected, though, right? What do you say? They're not connected, or are they? Um... It's very peripheral. You don't need to. Uh, I like knowing all the little things here and there, but you by no means have to play. You can skip it. Cool. You can skip. But, you know, it's like world building. But no, you don't have to play through. If you want to go right to three, you're... you're, I would probably actually encourage that and maybe go back to two if you're bored or want something different and new and just more more in the world, you know? Yeah. 
What were you going to say, Lon? No, I was going to just say, um, like personally, if I was in your situation, I would do, I would go right into another Assassin's Creed. To right, so I can get, see the difference, you know? Yeah, I'm and already then, like, Legion, Legion. Like Legion feels like a to Trip's point, kind of validates Legion feels like a pretty standalone title in in its own right. Like so, going to that and then going back to Valhalla seems seems disjointed plus if you play that like i plan to play valhalla before i go and do cyberpunk um because i'm deeper into valhalla so then we would be playing it somewhat at the same time so we can kind of share our experiences since i really have a lot more to do in that game um i've been watching like uh uh, getting started videos like best things to do before you go into valhalla you know like mm -hmm. recommendations and i'm just getting all these little nuggets that are really neat um, that I think are really cool. Like, what was what was the one that I saw today that I think is really cool? Um, that's different than any of previous Assassin's Creed. Um, the fact that you can dual wield like two weapons, and and it's like any weapons in the game, including giant like heavy weapons. You can battle axes, dual wield yeah. heavy battle mm -hmm. axes and shit. I'm like, yeah, that's gonna be fucking nuts, man. How the skill tree is built seems to be more dynamic. Um, you also seem like you can min-max a little bit better. Like, you can put, like, you can go all crazy assassin in it if mm -hmm. you wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to I'm gonna really dig into that skill tree when I, when I start playing it. Also, I like the fact that all of the stuff from, like, earlier games with building a community, you know, the Raventhorpe community that you end up building um, in England when you get there, um, that all that stuff it, I miss from Assassin's Creed. It doesn't exist in Odyssey. You don't have like this. Right, you're you're right. a wandering mercenary. You don't have this main hub that you land at all the time to to build up. You know, uh, like I noticed that the game brings back the uh, you build in your Ravensthorpe um, a hidden bureau, right? Which mm. is the name of the bureau, the building, the structure that assassins come out of, right? So you get to build one in your Ravensthorpe. And then over time, you cultivate that and expand that so that you have uh, those mini missions where you send assassins out to other parts of the world to do assassins, assassinations, you know? So I can't mm -hmm, believe mm -hmm. all that shit's going to be really Yeah, cool. I mean, it's... Um, I mean, I don't have anything to compare it to, right? Because I haven't right, played right. literally any other Assassin's Creed. But, like... Um, like just like a blanket statement, it just feels like a really great fucking game. I think you're gonna really enjoy it for a lot of different reasons. Um, they they list, talk about listening to feedback. They listened to feedback from Odyssey. They added a switch in the settings. Did you notice this? You can switch it so everything's quick kill. I feel like when I was going over the settings to optimize my graphics, I did notice that, but. Yeah. I don't know if I put two and two together because again, it's my first. So what first it Assassin's is Creed, is but. when you played back when you played um, two and Brotherhood and Revelations, the way they worked is you walked up, you get a button prompt that says X, you hit X, you kill the dude. That's it, instant right. kill. And people love that. You know, focus on the story. I'm just the b most badass person ever. There's no level gating. None of that shit exists. And people were pissed that in Origins and Odyssey. It was all level gated. It's like I can't go to this region mm. because I'm fucking. Well, yeah, the they, they changed the entire right. entire way the game is played. Um, the I, the challenge of the original ones were just like uh, escaping detection. If you were detected, you were just you were fucked. But if you stayed 
secret, then you could just essentially exactly. um, be an so incredible they, stealth ninja. But but ma- making this level, this min-max design where you have to, you know, unlock perks and, like, add the shit up and, and figure figure out, like, the amount of damage output and all that shit, that made it too complicated right. for uh, a majority of the fan base, and they hated it. But they said, okay, here's Valhalla. We're going to keep that same game because all the people that like playing with the min-max and all that shit are loving it. We're going to keep that, but we're going to put a hidden switch for the people that just want to go, I want to kill every dude. I'm, I'm good with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's really cool that they put that in there for people. I was really happy to see mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it's just gonna. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it'll solidify the fan base again, you know. So, have you seen? Have you guys seen this uh, this new game that's kind of taken over Twitter and Twitch? The the Viking Valheim. Like, Valheim. Valheim. Yeah. That's I yeah. mean, that's across I've between very, Daisy and this, what? isn't it? Yeah, I very very much want to play it, but the only reason why I haven't is because I haven't talked to anybody that also wants to play it, and I feel like playing it solo is not going to be nearly as fun as playing it with other people. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you. So, I have to so, look into it more. Yeah, so I n- not pressuring anyone to actually play it. I'm just saying like I've wanted I think I want to try it um because I've heard literally nothing but positive things about the game. I don't think I've heard one negative thing about the game yeah, on same. Twitter. Um I mean it's one yeah, of those games where you you just got to like, like it, it broke sales records and stuff already. Like it's it's selling yeah, a lot. I, like, Really yeah, well. yeah, because I think it it caught a lot of good press on Twitter, a million and Reddit, copies. and Reddit, and then it kind of just fucking it it spread, um, and now there's a ton of people playing it. Um, yeah, it's just survival but, game Vikings. You just got to survive as Viking in Viking times, right? Cut down trees. Yeah, it's got like like building. Fires. It's like a crafting yeah thing to it. Yeah, it's got a lot of cool stuff in it. But it's all, but it's also like a dog eat dog like daisy type world where people can form like a village and then come and kill you. you know, P- right. Yeah. PvP yeah. Very, very open ended PVPs type stuff. Yeah. Won't play that, but, but lock, you have fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just uh, be my badass whatever in. Uh, yeah. Well. Right. Right. I'm definitely going to play it with all the leveling. I'm going to do it that way. Because I'm used to that with AC Odyssey and AC Origins. I'm fine with it. I'll do it. It'll be good. I was trying to think of other things. I'll get back to you once I start playing the game on some of the things that I really liked about the the general mechanics of like like the types of perks and like all that shit when I actually play it. Right. Nice. That's that's it. I just completed AC Odyssey. I had a good time doing it. Um and now I'm just doing one more playthrough and then then that's it. And I'm gonna move on to something else. Nice. It's good to be able Valheim, to Valheim is twenty dollars. Yeah, it's cheap. Cheap. I mean you could buy it. I'll buy it right after you. Just saying. But I'll buy it right after you. All right. Well, shall we move on to our topic? I don't Let's have a do good transition. Okay. Illustrate it. Yeah. Let's do it. So this week, uh E three uh pushed forward and or announced their plans for the for the digital future. For their 2021 hmm. event, uh, la- this past year in 2020, I believe it was fully canceled. Right? That was that was like there was no E3 event. At For all. anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, it's the Electronic Entertainment Expo, which was the most famous yes. gaming convention that existed until they fucking shit the bed and then yeah, 
literally it was got generally canceled. an event for press originally to showcase to it was a place for all the publishers and developers to showcase yeah and to showcase to the press it, it yeah uh, if, if people don't know about stuff. this it's it wasn't a place it was the place in yeah throughout the 90s and into the into the honestly like up until 2016 ish uh or like just i'd say the mid 2010s right it was the place it was the yearly event where all of the game news happened it was it was it it was the top of the mountain that's all it's all there was there wasn't a need for anything else this was what everyone looked forward to every year it was like game awards near the end of the year e3 in june at the midpoint and that was mm-hmm. it that was your that was your news cycle for news and development for video games but not a- no mo well, on, on the case on on the topic of of E3's life in general, the past five or so years, I want to say, it's been on kind of a decline um, in in many ways. And I'll, I'll elaborate. Like for a while, like a bunch of years or a few years ago, uh, a lot of other companies decided to pull out and hold their events um, kind of outside and around E3. Like, for example, one year, uh, one year, Nintendo straight up went, we're not coming to E3 anymore. We're going to drop a digital showcase of all of our games. And that's it. And like that, you'll you'll get that. Um, EA literally has their E3 conference rather than inside of E3 itself. They've been having their own conference across the street in like another Mm -hmm. venue for press to come to. Right. Sony pretty much said, nah, dog, no more, no more E3 booth we're going to give up our space at e3 and we will hold our own digital like our own you know theatrical you know they do the big bombastic bombastic uh events for their games um and then for a while they were doing the sony experience so they were literally holding their own uh expo for a lot of them started of doing sony. that yeah a lot of them st- microsoft yeah. started doing their uh event reveals exactly um well i mean if we just rewind real quick back to 2016. 2016 was the year that me and Trip had the ability to go to the last E3 where it was exclusive for uh, vendors only, basically, um, press and vendors. Um, and that was the last time. It was nut- nutty, but we were we ended up getting tickets that are essentially tickets that were given as giveaway gifts, you know, by by people. They, 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 I think they said something like there were 20,000 tickets that were available to various vendors to just give them out yeah. if they wanted so, to bring, bring people promotionally. Yeah, if, you, if you're someone who uh, who was involved in E3 as like a buyer, as a studio, as, a, as press, as whatever, whatever the hell, um, you had a certain number of additional tickets that you could give to people. Um, and that was just part of the process, right? You could always have you would so you could always know someone that can get you into E3, right? Uh, but even before that year, uh, what Felix mentioned is the, is the last year. It's the last year that it was that it was fully closed, meaning you know direct involvement or you knew how to get a, a pass. The year after, they started selling tickets to the general public. You could pay yeah. money with no affiliation for a pass. Now, this didn't really change too much about E3, uh, besides bringing in even more people that had no direct connection. Um, but the E3 showcase itself for a couple of years has slowly turned into more of like a showcase for players versus the press exclusive things that they were kind of 
you know, guiding you through as, as the years uh, uh, happened before. Things were focused on like the play experience, the the show floor itself, kind of, you know, wowing attendees and getting like, you know, hands on for demos. So they've slowly, slowly over the years pivoted to to catering to being like a convention, even though they weren't calling themselves a convention. It was like just a really exclusive convention by the end of it. And then they said, hey, we like money. I bet we can we carve like off money. this many tickets and actually charge for them instead of giving them away. I think. So, well, I think they originally started. They originally started by taking the block or the chunk. Of, this I was reading this in an article around the time. The chunk that was was allocated strictly for giveaways became the chunk that they would they would initially fact, that first year. Fun fact: Those are the what's what I just said. Those are what those words mean. That's what you said. That's what I just said. I you was said, like, I'll take this chunk and charge for them. Yeah. I just repeated you. I it's just okay. did that. I did that. It's okay. But yeah, they did that because they were like, we can make money off of this shit. So why wouldn't yeah, we? And last year, I I think before even COVID, or this is like pre-COVID, they even, that that uh, PowerPoint like deck got leaked. I don't know if you remember that. There was mm-hmm. a leak from that deck. And it was talking about like, how to like integrate and synergize with like like millennials and social media and uh, create experiences while waiting in line for like you know like for like the demos and stuff like they were they were talking about ways to like bring in more of like a like you know like an external influence into the show yeah it was it, a, I guess, right? it was a leaked focus study on on how to make it more engaging for people that are attending so purely again purely convention type stuff you know. The, the conversation in that leaked uh, leaked deck wasn't how do we get vendors? How do we get more like sales? How do we get people who want to be a part of this as exhibitors? It's what do we do for the people that are coming in to play video games? Right. And I look, it's it, I think that's where they were going, thinking this could be you know profitable and we can be like a thing as we shift and pivot. But it kind of made E3 lose a little bit of its magic and people started asking questions saying, why, why do I have to be a part of this? Why can't I just and, do my own thing? And it just, it was a slow trickle of companies doing that and slowly and peeling out. Ultimately, like, at, like adding up, like all these other publishers, like leaving the space, doing their own thing, Nintendo doing like pretty much quarterly, like, you know, um, YouTube drops of their, their directs. Of their- yeah directs right sony kind of taking the same cue doing they last year they did like like almost like bi-monthly directs as well like like i thought i i I thought before covid e3 was declining right because of all these these factors yeah that that was not a uh, a risky thought to have that was this literally writing was all over the wall for sure and then covid hits and it's like almost that was like the nail that was that was it because because now now them coming out this week going pushing they're pushing for these plans for this year like all the, i could see all these publishers going well we just survived covid by doing our own thing we like ubisoft's holding their own digital events like like publishers from bef- like even who still did use e3 they're now doing their own thing because they had to they have to have a way to, to like showcase their events jeff knightley is out there like doing his summer games like you know showcase and he's doing his game awards and that gives gives publishers a place to showcase their titles did, did like, neo just pronounce his name wrong again he did it again. is it jeff he, he said he said knightley it's keely but it's okay <laughs> Yeah. Damn it. I do that all the freaking time. Um, it's okay. His name, his name is literally written on my other screen here. Um, but yeah. And like, 
what and it's almost sad to say because i love e3 and i've loved e3 i love watching my favorite time in the summer is watching e3 you know presentations they're my favorite i love just bundling up and doing all that and seeing all the interviews and stuff it's it's great but like there's like no point to e3 anymore almost in my opinion i i think i think you're right if you compare e3 to what it was there's no point to it if they pivot and design E3 around what 2021 and the future calls for, then there would be a reason for E3. Like in the future, people will still want to physically be in places and see things and interact with with things. Like it's not going to go away. We're we're far from that. We're probably years away from people comfortably wanting to go into a place and touch and feel and experience things. But we're not going to just not do that anymore, right? Like brick and mortar will not just disappear entirely. I think the developers, the studios, the the major brands will probably do what Nintendo did and hold these quarterly things more regularly and announce, but there's still a space for, for what E3 can offer, but it needs to be incentivized to these studios to come and do that it, it's no it, it can't be it can no longer be like you need to come to e3 to sell your game because we know that that's not true mm-hmm. right like that's no longer it and if that's the selling point then e3 dies see the worst simple, the worst part right? is the worst part is is that pax almost pack like the pax east west and all these other those conventions they almost generally solved that issue that e3 had it where the public could go and visit and play these games, right? Sure, E3 was like the behind closed door. A lot, a lot of the major bulk of E3 is like the behind closed doors demos for like a lot of the major titles that they're coming out for the year, right? But PAX was a way for like you know us, the consumers, to get in there and get on the floor and play them, play demos for games, right? And I think that 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 need still exists. Like I think about even some of the sets. Like wasn't there like a really cool set for? for mafia one of the years that, mafia that you three, guys yeah. saw the year we were right? like, there yeah like that experience is still worthwhile to have it's like, like going like, to like a that, fucking carnival show you know? right like, like like that's still a thing that people that like a gamer wants to do but like what what they need to realize is that like that is not going to be the selling point for mafia 3 anymore that no. we don't need to know we don't need to experience that it becomes a nice to have not a need to have and if it's not pivoted to be that to be an experiential thing for all of these different developers then 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 it dies quite I frankly think it, i think it we, already started lock it, it started doing that like think about Devol- devolver digital they're, they mm-hmm. were probably the company that was most fucking prepared. They didn't have enough money to really get crazy and outlandish, but they were probably most prepared for this because they were already doing their entire presentation like pre-made in like some kind of digital release format where they weren't even really there at the convention hall. You know what I mean? Like right. they were right. ready to go when this shit hit. You know, but I think that's just because mm-hmm. they had to do it on the cheap. But um. One thing I was going to say is I remember to back up your point lock. I remember back in the day, one of my like yearly most favorite things to do, like pre 10 years old with my dad was the Philly car show. Like that mm. was, that was I love like, going to Philly. I love, I still, well, 
Yeah. I used to go to the Philly car show almost every year. I've been yeah. there. Yep. I've been there. Yeah. Uh, every the, year the, I would the, go with my dad. Yeah. Philly car show, Philly boat show, baby. We did them both. Mm-hmm. We used to do them all the time. And my favorite thing. Don't to forget do, the flower show. My favorite thing to do because I was a weird kid. the flower kid, show often as well. But my yeah. favorite thing to do because I was a weird kid was to get all the pamphlets from every single uh, exhibition station. I would leave with a bag full of pamphlets, and my dad would go, what do we do with this? And my mom would go, distract the kid. We're going to throw it out. <laughs> but I Sounds collected like I all these. Right now. I collected all these pamphlets for some reason. I was obsessed with collecting the pamphlets every time I went. Yeah, but there, there's, there's still something for experiencing it in person, tactile feedback. Like all of that still exists. So E3 can sustain itself and rebrand its business model and still be successful for itself. If it decides to do that, if it, if it decides, if, if the powers that be try to make it this like behemoth that it was, then it dies and we're all still fine because we'll have other things to fill the void. But, um, that needs to happen for, for it to remain something that we still experience today. Um, ultimately because we now go to twitch we go to youtube we go to all of these different platforms and we can get what we would have gotten from a presentation at three a thousand times over so there's there's no reason for that to exist um there are reasons whether or not that happens i think is ultimately up to the people that run the business we're gonna say trip um uh everything you're saying is is a thousand percent correct and this year is pivotal as to the life of E3 going forward. Uh, it's interesting because they've already been reaching out to people at this point to try to get together some kind of digital presence for 2021. And their their point is that having everything under one umbrella is more recognizable. It grabs more attention. It's better for media and 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 publishers everywhere if everyone just knows worldwide. It's E3 time. Let's see what's happening. Uh, the problem is, you know, they're charging a six-figure uh, sum to be on the list and part of the schedule. You know, like the the ESA who owns E3, well, they're they're lobbyists essentially, and they still think like just big business lobbyists and and think this is the only way this can happen or this is the best way. You know, you guys all used to come to this show, and the world knows this show, so this should be the way that it happens. And you know. Like uh, like Neo said, Jeff Keighley has already said he's not coming to E3 this year. He's going to continue doing his own Summer Games Fest. Um, there was an anonymous publisher that said they've already uh, declined involvement and they will be having their own show. So it's it's going to be an interesting couple months as they kind of try to grab their 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 share of those developers and try to reclaim that title of like the place to get your news because I think, I think there's something to be said about that. They're not necessarily wrong. Like there is something strength in numbers. Like let's brand this as a singular place to go and get your news and see things like that is a cool thing. It is like Neo made a, a good point. It is cool to be like, this is E3 weekend. Like let's tune in and, and get our fill of everything gaming related. Like, that is powerful and that there is a, a need for that, but there's not a six figure per developer need for that. Right. And it, and if that doesn't like, if, if that doesn't sink into some old white man 
some old white businessman that's trying to make money counting, then, counting coins yeah yeah counting his you know counting his gold doubloons then i don't mm-hmm. like you know i don't fucking like because it's not needed because it, someone will go live on twitch they'll go on twitter it'll get a hundred thousand retweets it goes on twitch twitch then has two hundred thousand viewers then every other news publication posts article about the presentation that spreads like wildfire. All of the news ends up reaching the users inevitably. So there's there's not there's not a need for it if the marketing isn't as great for an individual developer as it would be for E3 because it's going to reach us anyway with the way in which news spreads in the digital age. Um, I, I, yeah. I think part of the problem with what Trip was saying about how like the recognizability of of E3 being the one place to go to i think the problem is a lot of publishers like nintendo and sony and others realize that well instead of being jumbled in with all the news of all of these games being announced in one singular date in 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 one place in a week they can own their own news cycles and get the attention they want by maybe separating their own events weeks out or like days out or like they they can control their own press cycle that way and that, that is one thing i think sony and nintendo realize especially i'm i'm singling them out because they're one of the bigger names to, they're the bigger names that have, have broken away from e3 um which is another thing that's, that's another thing that e3 has to compete with when you have all these other games that are being announced together trip yeah, they're. It seems like they're. Uh, they're going down the right pathways of competing with with new events like this because some of their proposed plans uh, include different amounts of time where there are like two hour chunks of time where you get like a preview of a game. This is what they're proposing, and then you have like the week after that, you have like demos that are free to play for the games that have come out. So they, they understand that there's like like an interactivity that they need to maintain, even if it's only digitally, um, but. Compare that with the Steam Game Festival, which just literally ended yesterday. It ran from February 3rd to February 9th. And Steam leaned into uh, different genres um, and also to the the demo organization on their page where you could like, you know, let's go down like the simulation video game pathway or like the RPG games, the horror games, the platformers. Uh, I can get any of these games as a demo. And then here's the schedule of what's coming up. And I can chat with the developers directly because I am not forcing everyone to use my own Steam platform. They're just broadcasting on Twitch, right? But I'm, but I'm using all of these technology together to put on a festival, and they have direct access to the devs, not gated through a six-figure sum to be part of a collection. This is direct access. And I think yeah, what clicks with their people own is direct access. And that's that's the thing that resonates and vibes with people. Like, you know, social media chats on live streams. If E3 can figure out direct access, that would be a huge win for them. But people are already making slightly better plays than they are for like umbrella events and dev access. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, it just comes down to who's running, who's running the business, who's making the decisions, right? Like, I had a conversation with with someone in my family that's struggling in their in their job, and it's because. They're trying to pivot the business to to a, a post COVID, a COVID and a post COVID world, and just in general where the where that business needs to go. And those that own the business don't understand because they built it in the eighties, 
And like their marketing material is the same from like 1985 because they spent money in 1985. And why would they ever spend money again on marketing? You know, like it's just <laughs> this this old way of thinking of like it needs to be done this way. Right. We're not going to change it. We are who we are. We're the most successful video game conference that exists. We have worldwide recognition, all of this. Um, but all of that could die in in an instant because there's so many things that can take its place. I, you know, I think like PAX is a really good example of the physical space of, in my mind, PAX was always from a gamer's perspective on a personal level, everyone's always excited about PAX and Neo made the point of, cause that's cause we could physically go and experience and meet and, ex- and it was like, all of it was, it games, was right? the place to be. It was, it was, yeah. it was, it was bigger than E3 in that sense. We still watched E3 we still waited for news points of E3, but like PAX was the bigger deal as, as an individual. Um, so like E3 has been dying for years and it's because they refuse to pivot in a way that makes sense. Um, and those that are, that are steering the ship probably can't understand that a few years of maybe not being as profitable or not being as successful to inevitably come through the other side and have, have pivoted the business in a way to continue for years and years and years is the better decision to make. Um, but they're so short sighted that they can't, they can't do that pivot. Um, and you know, and that's unfortunate, but if it dies, it dies ultimately. Yeah. You know, well, personally, I'll be okay. If he dies, <laughs> if he dies, he dies. Exactly. That was from uh, Rocky Four. Was it? Yeah, the Russian said it. He dies. Yeah, he dies. I can't remember. I, if he's ta- I can't remember if he's talking about Apollo or Rocky. But I'm oh, sorry, Neil. Go ahead. Oh, it's okay. I think I think regardless of whatever happens to E3 this year, um, we are still going to get announcements of games for things. Um, right. Just to keep everyone up up to date, Nintendo has not had a major new release since Animal Crossing. I just want to point that out. That was last March. They have not that even a year. Really have, wow. Like sure, they've released the the Super the Mario collection with the three D the three D collection. Um, this Friday, the um, the Wii U three D game comes out with Bowser's Fury. That's, that's the first week. party like Nintendo fully new titles yeah because yeah. we got we got those are were remakes those were like repackaging of their 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 titles you, you wouldn't consider uh the calamity game the zelda breath of the wild like hack and slash thingy oh yeah that that counts i guess that's because that is technically like a first party title but even though it's not it's a third party developer but um I'm talking about like Nintendo proper games, like your Luigi Mansion, your Luigi's mm-hmm. Mansion, your uh, Metroids, your your Zeldas. Breath of the Wild Two is still coming at some point. Like they haven't they haven't had any like movement on that front, like since Animal Crossing. Like that's that was their and granted, Animal Crossing has sold buckets, like boatloads of copies. Okay, like, so uh... go ahead. Paper Mario yep. Origami King on July seventeenth, okay, yep. but right. but I think the the spirit of your point is is one thousand percent correct. It's it's like a mm-hmm. desert out here for Nintendo for like 
capital N Nintendo releases. There there have yeah, not been the, many this year. I think the other thing is like I I fucking loved original Paper Mario. Loved it because it like brought the Mario RPG to the to the current times. But like that's not a showstopper title. That's like a right. you know what I mean? Like like you make a good point, like Metroid or like something big. Breath of the Wild no, 2, which is, you know. Yeah, like not even like not even like a fucking like Elder Scrolls like mountain with a title on it. Like we don't even have that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we, don't. we know no, we don't know anything. It doesn't it, we don't even know if it's in development, right? Like we just make assumptions or hear other news points, but like we got nothing. And yeah, it's it's a really, really valid point that it is like it's a desert in in terms of what mm. we know is coming from Nintendo. It's um, funny though because it hasn't stopped their their Switch sales and they've they've their sales skyrocketed within the past year, like with the Switch, which is which is insane. Um, yeah, yeah. Without, I think, without I think, any new major releases. Well, I think the COVID world makes the Switch console very desirable, um, mm-hmm. and I think uh, also there's a huge nostalgia factor for gamers that didn't pick up a Switch initially that got bored in the house board board in the house mm-hmm. and decided like, fuck, I want to play fuck. I want to play Mario again, or mm-hmm. I want to, you know, I want to play Zelda again. Right. And bought a switch because the cost of entry is not high, especially with the, you know, the handheld only switch. Um, that you know, package so- you get when you pay for the online that gives you like all like a, a, a small little subset of Nintendo games. And then now super Nintendo games. And they're probably going to do it for mm-hmm. the, fucking uh, right n64 eventually and they're probably hopefully that yeah that's the that's the the dream right there um, I, I would buy this, a switch in an instant if they did that thousand yeah this friday the uh super mario fucking... 3d world comes out i'm definitely gonna pick that up i i didn't play it on the wii u i didn't have a wii u so i'm definitely gonna pick that up and play that um i'll probably talk about it next week if i if i can uh mm. but yeah, you like, should. um, and on top of that, like, Sony is still Sony and Xbox. They're trucking along. They're announcing their games, so they don't. Right. I don't know if they necessarily need E three. Like, that's like that's no, like no, they don't. Sad thing about it, um, they don't. And and it's hard because like on the other side of this, there is a need for E three, but it's how do they buy? How do they survive these next couple of years to then come back strong when we do all want to go out? Right. Like we do want to experience things in the physical space, which will still be different. We are no longer going to pack into venues like sardine cans, not in the same way, or we'll think twice about it or we'll take different precautions. Um, So it might look different even years from now, but like we will eventually want to regularly go to physical spaces and experience things. Um, So there's going to be a need for something like PAX or E3, but how they survive for the next couple of years to not be forgotten is, is super important. Um, and the way that they're going about it now will mean that they won't survive the next couple of years. Um, Cause we will hear Sony for the next three years, announce their games over Twitch and we'll be like, Oh, that was cool. That's <laughs> all I needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Microsoft will announce their games over Twitch and Nintendo will do the same. And we'll mm-hmm. read articles on, every major publication site d- digging in deeper about it. And I'll be like, all right, cool. It's all I need. Got, got what, my info. Well, what, uh, what, what is the purpose? You know, yeah. I think here's what I really miss about E3. Um, all the developer interviews, 
and the like the, like the personal like interaction that you would have between like my favorite my honestly like the showcases were cool with e3 but my favorite thing is giant bomb hosted a week like a weeknight a show every night uh called giant bomb after dark and they literally had like phil spencer like uh, like a bunch of developers like and rotating people come on for like four hours at a time and i'd like hop in bed and like put that on and it was like a like a cozy after dark chat session with like all these like the Sony heads, but, the Phil Spencer ch- chatting it up. You know what I mean? Like, but what that has nothing to do with E3. There's nothing stopping around. No, you're what right, I'm saying is that there's nothing stopping. All these people are in this location, so they all get to talk to the press at the same time. Like, it's all just focused. It's all just like very much concentrated sure. in that in that section. I guess know? my point is, is if Sony is releasing and doing an event, there's nothing stopping Giant Bomb from booking sony people like, and doing the same thing you know what i mean wh- like in the past year like how do you i don't recall like phil spencer getting on like a podcast or anything maybe he has i don't know all the podcasts that he goes on but well, like, i think i, that, recall, I think that comes like, to any moments where like you know you can experience like those conversations well is that more marketing and on the actual people that that do the interviewing to then promote it that's not a neat that's the, what you're describing Possibly. is not an is not an e3 no thing that's but, offered right but outside of e3 talking heads like spencer and others they only come out when they have something to say right and i guess e3 is the sure. time when well, they have why something can't they to do say, this all on like, a zoom what what's the problem with the zoom what's the problem with what, what? You, there you, is no there, my, my point is, well, is okay. there, there is no limitation anymore that phil spencer could go on giant bomb at any time at any point and do an interview over zoom or in person. And he doesn't even have to leave right his now. fucking house. We're not leaving our house. He doesn't have to leave yeah, his I, house. Uh, Neo's point is, is that it was all condensed and centralized, that you were getting all of these great interviews at once because everyone was was forced, to, in a sense, to do these interviews because of E3, because of the time of year, to promote um, that it was it was this extra event that was a byproduct of E3. I right. guess my, my, yeah. my counterpoint is, is that that can exist if the news publications make it exist and the game developers and the studio heads are a willing participant of it. It can happen tomorrow, right? right? Like it doesn't sure. need to, E3 is, it was a byproduct of E3. It's not something that E3 offered to them. Right. You really. know how they're doing no, no, uh, no. Uh, totally. Neo, I'm sure you know how they're doing like celebrities that used to attend conventions now. You know how they're doing that now, right? Mhm. But celebrities that used to attend conventions? So you used to go to a convention and you would pay oh, yeah. 70 bucks and go stand next to Stephen Amell for 5 minutes and say, "Hey, <laughs> say your quote from fucking Arrow that's amazing." I totally have a picture of me next to Stephen uh, Go ahead. Keep exactly. Going. I picked the perfect guy. I, that was right out of right out of a fucking hat, dude. I pulled that right out of the hat. Uh, I, I will literally post it in our chat later, but I literally but, stand um, next to Stephen Amell. But you used picture. to do that, and now the way they do that is convention time comes around, and then people who buy tickets to the general idea of the, of the home but their type concept pay a fee. And then get a personal right. Zoom call with like fucking, and it's like crazy because they're charging like three hundred dollars to Zoom call, have a Zoom call with like S- Stephen Amell or whoever, right? And it's it's nuts to me that you now you're getting a personal phone call with these people. Before it was like 
like one minute, get the fuck out. <laughs> and now it's like they're calling you in your home. It's so interpersonal. But I'm saying people could pay a ticket to like witness the same stage that had seven developers on it. You know what I mean? And they're just sitting in their home. And the seven developers, you got to coordinate the developers to do it somewhere. Oh, I mean, like a, like a, like a webinar is something yeah. that happens in the business world every fucking day. Right. Like you can host, yeah. you can host a Q and a and make people join a zoom call. And Twitch is, fucking, and Twitch is already ready for that because people can type paid, in the yeah. chat and shit. Yeah. Then, you can do a subscriber gotta, only fucking, you can do a subscriber only fucking event where you have to subscribe to the channel which everyone would pay the five bucks for the month and then cancel it. So there you go. $5 to enter. You get to watch this interview or a series right? of, of interviews. I mean, sure. didn't that, I mean, isn't it's, that it's, just what they did with that DC event? The DC um, fandom, the, th- the under the dome, the fandom, the, the DC fandom. The I thought for certain people, because I went to try and look up the videos from that after the fact and couldn't find them anywhere. They weren't anywhere. And I was like, why the fuck can't I find these? And then I read on a website. It was like, you had to pay money to see the, the, to get access to the site, to see the clips from that. Pay money and you'll get, you'll get to see the shit. But don't and nobody, money. nobody recorded them. That seems crazy to me. I'm sure they're out there now, wow. but I'm saying within like a, a day of that shit going live, like it wasn't mm. anywhere. You couldn't find it anywhere. Right, 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 right. It's funny. Well, I guess we'll we'll have to see what happens to E3 we'll see. in the future. Huh? It'll be a telling June. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see how it plays out. This year could pivot at any time. New virus. Mm-hmm. Three vaccines. Please. Five Please more stop. viruses. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> stop it. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, everybody out there in podcast land. Uh, I've been Neo Aoshi. You can follow me at Twitter at Neo underscore Yoshi, twitch.tv slash Neo Aoshi. Um, I'm going to pop back in periodically with some games to stream when I feel like it. So follow me there and you'll find out when I go live. Uh, Trip. Uh, thanks again, guys, for listening and for hanging out with us here at the Emerging Gamer. I am Trip Zero. You can find me on uh, twitch.tv slash Trip Zero TV. All of my socials are also Trip Zero TV, so it's very easy to find. I stream Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. We're doing uh, Stardew Valley right now, pretty deep into that, and uh, getting our farm all built up, and it's a lot of fun. Um, We got some other stuff to look forward to. Probably we'll be playing pokemon snap when that comes out that'll be pretty fun oh shit and then, yeah well, that's uh, an pretty soon and then go. uh very much looking forward to kina bridge of spirits in march so those are the big waypoints coming up in between i'm probably farming so come chill it's a great time lock yeah this is lock and key follow me on twitter at lock underscore key um just follow me there hopefully I will get my setup going and underway soon so I can start hitting go live again. But uh, just follow me on Twitter for now. So if I do go live, uh, you know where to find me um, and you can see my uh, banter on Twitter later. Felix. Felix. And this is Felix Hergood at Felix Hergood on Twitter. Um, Felix Hergood on Twitch. Uh, Don't know when that's happening again. But uh, hey, I'm here every Wednesday. Fucking wearing this hat. And we, we, Beard's we getting longer. Come on, visit. Hang out here at Emergent underscore Gamer on Twitch. Neo. See you next week. Later.
Oh, I thought Neo didn't go. I didn't even hear Neo go. When did that happen? <laughs> the first I'm that good. I'm that good. So the guy who brought the show in took the show out, and he didn't even know it. <laughs> he didn't even know it. <laughs> See, you See you guys. Hey, uh, our uh, our friend Old Jack Burton pointed out to me over the course of the last week that our email's been wrong for four years on our Twitter. <laughs> oh, sick, dude. Sick. Four years. <laughs> now we know why no one's been emailing Literally. us. Yes, well, right. We're like, wow, I guess our show just sucks. No, they can't get a hold of us. Yeah. So I, um, Kevin I, ch- what's good, I changed that and made it better. Fixed that one. Oh, my God, dude. What was it? Uh, it was, um, remember we had the emergent gamer at gmail.com. The emergent yes. gamer at gmail.com. Yes. It was, was that it? It Well, it was the immediate gamer at gmail.com. Oh, no. <laughs>